3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories about the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Charlie. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the ghost of the LaLaurie Mansion in New Orleans, Louisiana. So, the way that we're kind of going to go about this is we both kind of made notes, and I'm going to tell the story, and we're going to just dissect each section of the story and talk about what, uh, what we think about the story and let you guys know. So... If you're ready, we can go ahead and get started. Let's begin. Okay. So the story is at the top of the story. I want to go ahead and put a trigger warning in because it's got some hard parts to it. I will put um, another trigger warning when we get to the actual difficult parts in case you guys don't want to listen to that. So, But without talking about that stuff, it's really hard to piece the story together. So I'll just let you know when we get there. So uh, the story takes place in, Louis- in New Orleans, Louisiana. So... At 1140 Royal Street stands what has become of the legendary LaLaurie Mansion, where many of New Orleans' most phantasmic poltergeists reside. The infamous Madame Delphine was born Marie Delphine McCarty. The gentle and sweet daughter of a well-to-do family grew up to be the woman who would later be known as the cruel mistress of the haunted house. When she grew up, she married Don Ramon de Lopez Angulo, a high-ranking Spanish royal officer at the St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans on June 11th, 1800. Husband number one. Yeah, so I'll keep going. We'll talk about her other husbands, and then we can dissect what we think might have happened to them. So, in 1804, after the United States had required the territory in the Louisiana Purchase, Don Ramon was called back to Spain. When he and Delphine, who was pregnant, stopped in Cuba, Don Ramon died suddenly. A few days later, Delphine gave birth to a daughter and soon returned to New Orleans. Nothing suspicious. Yeah. So, that... I guess we can talk about that right now, because that... I know when I... I don't have it in the story, but I know when I was researching it, like, it said both of her first two husbands, which she's got another one before we get to, um, to LaLaurie died under suspicious circumstances and the died suddenly it makes me wonder what what, did she do yeah what did she do i don't know i never found anything out about that but we'll keep going in june 1808 delphine married john blanc a prominent banker merchant and lawyer and legislator the couple would eventually have four children but john blanc died in 1816 so that's eight years after they got married as in they married her first husband in 1800 yeah so and eight in, years between husbands yeah pretty much first husband she married in 1800 all in june by yes, the way i made a note of that too <laughs> they were all, married all in, in june. june even her third husband she married in june even uh, LaLaurie, she married him in June. So in 1800, she married Don Ramon. He died in 1804. 1808, she married Jean Blanc. He died in 1816. So then on June 25th, 1825, Delphine married her third husband, physician Leonard Louis Nicholas LaLaurie, who was much younger than her at the time. 
the couple had two daughters. In 1831, she bought the property at 1140 Royal Street, which she managed in her own name with little involvement from her husband. The two-story mansion was finished the next year, complete with beautiful chandeliers, intricate carvings, and wrought iron balustrades, which we'll post pictures of the mansion so you can get an idea of what it looks like. And I found a couple of pictures of what it looked like back then and then what it looks like now. So we'll post pictures on all of our social medias, which we will let you guys know what those are at the end. Here she maintained a central position in New Orleans society, hosting lavish parties for other socialites who enjoyed fine food and champagne. So she was a party host. Yeah, she was party. She was a partier and she loved living, her money living her best life yeah uh so the marriage uh began to have problems in november of 1832 so that wasn't very... it was one year after <laughs> they bought the mansion <laughs> not very much longer uh delphine petitioned the court for a separation claiming that dr lalori had quote treated her in such a manner as to render their living together insupportable uh, claims which her son and two daughters by Jean Blanc confirmed. At about the same time, rumors began to swirl about Delphine LaLaurie's poor treatment of her slaves, as many reported them to look haggard and wretched. However, when in public, Delphine LaLaurie was generally polite to black people and solicitous of her slaves' health, which, I mean, to be that type of person in that time frame, in that state... You kind of have to be. That's how I see it. But yeah. you never know what happens behind closed doors. So, and clearly this one... We'll find out what happens. Yeah. Oh. But the rumors continued and finally the reports were sufficiently widespread that a local lawyer was dispatched to Royal Street in 1832 to remind LaLaurie of the laws for upkeep of slaves. However, during his visit, the lawyer found no evidence of wrongdoing or mistreatment by LaLaurie. Madame LaLaurie paid for the legal services and sold several enslaved people following the investigation, which is also kind of sus. Yeah. She's <laughs> um, like, I'm going to sell them, make myself look good, and move on. Yeah. So, two years later, on the night of April 10th, 1834, the mansion's long and horrific history erupted into the public view. Delphine and Lewis were hosting one of their renowned parties that night. The house was filled to the brim with revelers. The grand, wonderful evening came crashing down when a fire broke out in the kitchen that quickly spread to the slave quarters. The LaLauries were completely unconcerned, assuring their guests that the building was empty. They directed their guests and slaves to bring all the home's finery out into the streets to keep it from burning. The band set up in the street and the drinks and party continued while the slave quarters burned. So before we get to the next part, I want to talk about that. <laughs> because yes. the next part is the trigger warning of where it gets kind of rough. But the fact that... They just kept going. They they brought everything out so nothing would burn. They didn't care if anybody else was in there, even though they clearly knew that there were there was. But they brought all of their belongings and everything out, and it's just well, like... she married three different husbands, all rich. Yeah. So she it's obviously just, cares about her belongings a lot more than And, and her money, yeah. So... Right off the bat, we can see, you know, kind of how she is as a person. So this is just going to get a little bit worse because it's just going to let you know how horrible of a person she actually truly was behind closed doors. So, um, like I said, this part is a trigger warning. So if you don't want to listen to it, just skip ahead a little bit. Um, all right. So eventually some of the guests grew concerned about the possibility that some slaves may have been trapped in the quarters. 
Brushing past the LaLauri's and their crude objections, they burst into the slave quarters. Smoke billowed into the streets as one by one, slaves stumbled out of the building and revealed the horrid conditions that they were kept in. Beaten and starved by the LaLauri's, a dozen or so mutilated slaves gathered on the sidewalk on Hospital Street, to the horror of the guests still assembled outside. The slaves' bodies were bruised and broken, bearing the marks of whips and other torture devices. One man even had a hole in his head. Maggots crawled in and out of his brain through it. While their guests were distracted by the hellish scene unfolding on the street, Delphine and Louis slipped back into the home and locked themselves inside, which is so screwed up. But yeah. And I guess the husband was in on it, too. I believe that he was. So, I, I think it was more so her, but I, I believe he had quite a bit to do with it as well. I mean, she had so much power over him. Yeah. So, they already had the lawsuit sort of thing, yeah. saying he was a bad husband. Yeah. What else could he do? Mm. When the fire department arrived, the they discovered an elderly slave woman bound in heavy chains to the hearth in the kitchen. She confessed to setting the fire as a suicide attempt to escape from to escape punishment from Mrs. LaLaurie in the upper room. She led the men to a heavy oak door with no handle at the top of a narrow staircase inside the mansion. When they finally got past the resistant Madame LaLaurie, they forced the door open and proceeded to the attic to check for any new sources of fire or even embers that could still set the home ablaze. They were overcome by the stench of rot, decay, and death. So, this part is um, an excerpt from the New Orleans newspaper, The Bee, and it was given the next day, April 11th, 1834. So, I'll read this from that, and it's pretty gruesome as well. So, just in case you haven't skipped far enough ahead, I would keep going. The doors were pried open for the purpose of liberating them, predisposed to taking this liberty, if liberty it can be detailed. Several gentlemen, impaled by their feelings, demanded the keys, which had refused them in a gross and insulting manner. Upon entering one of the apartments, the most appalling spectacle met their eyes. Several slaves, horribly mutilated, were seen suspended from the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. Language is powerless and, in, and inadequate to give a proper recollection of the horror that a scene like this must have been inspired. We shall not attempt it, but leave it rather to the reader's imagination to picture what it was. The slaves were the property of the demon in the shape of a woman whom we mentioned at the beginning of this article. They had been confined by her for several months in the situation from which they had thus been rescued and had merely been kept in existence to prolong their sufferings and to make them taste all that the most refined cruelty could inflict. But why dwell upon the particulars? We feel confident that the community share with us our indignation and that vengeance will fall heavily full upon the guilty culprit. And then it says, some believe that Dr. Louis LaLaurie and his wife were conducting horrific medical experience experiments on the slaves as well, which I fully believe, I mean. Yeah, to keep them there for months, torturing them, not letting them die. Yeah, from the conditions that they, you, who knows what they were already in to begin with, you know? Like, yeah. I can't even, I can't even imagine. So the hard part, I think, is is over. There's one more part. Oh, never mind. Okay. My a favorite, little bit more. My favorite part oh, in boy. the most disturbing way. Yeah, it is. It's really bad. So, um, according to accounts, the victims were men, women, and children and included a caged woman who had her limbs broken and set at unnatural angles to resemble a crab, a mutilated sex change operation, 
a woman whose limbs were removed and odd circular pieces of skin removed to resemble a human caterpillar, and some had pieces of their faces removed to, assemble, to resemble gargoyles. Seven were suspended from their necks and were badly mutilated. Two of these survivors died shortly after their rescue. So I know you were really messed up about the, the crab. crab. <laughs> the crab has stuck with me every time when we're reviewing this story and getting ready to record. It's the crab. I don't know why. Yeah. Just why? And see, and to me, for me, it's the caterpillar. Like, yeah. cutting skin and just, you know... That it's going to be bare and open and disgusting quarters. Oh, uh, gosh. I can't. I can't imagine. I just... We've discussed it. I don't know what could bring a person to do this. Like, yeah. what goes on through your brain to say, I'm going to turn someone into a crab, a gargoyle, a caterpillar... Like, why? Ugh, I don't, I don't know. That really messes me up because the human caterpillar, it's like, it gives me nightmares because it's like, you can just see, you can kind you of can just it. imagine, yeah, what it looks like. And it's, it's awful. I don't even, I can't even imagine how cruel this woman must have actually been. After the mob realized the lorries, the lorries had fled, they tore apart the mansion, leaving it in total disrepair. And there it sat a hulking ruin for decades. Almost immediately, the mansion became the scene of ghostly tales, uh, which, obviously, for all those people that have died, you can only imagine how haunted it must have gotten. All the souls that remained. Yeah. Never finding peace. No. As people reported hearing the tortured shrieks of the LaLaurie's mistreated slaves echoing through the streets surrounding the home, in the 1850s, the mansion was refurbished, but it would never shake the curse of the events that had transfixed the city of New Orleans. Owner after owner would come to ruin, with none of them seeming to last more than a few years at most. Soon, no one would want to reside in this once grand and glorious mansion. And I'll tell you, it was. Once I, I will post pictures, and I'm telling you, it was. It was, it was a very beautiful mansion, but it's just sad that it had to happen like this was home to all those horrors yeah by the 1870s the mansion was cut up into a dozen of tenement apartments mostly occupied by immigrant dock workers and their families their children immediately began to hear unexplained moans and groans disembodied screams burning human flesh dragging of change chains and scratching noises under the floorboards would bedevil the children's sleep their parents experienced none of these mysterious phenomena and wrote it off as simply their children's overactive imaginations. However, we all know that children are a little more susceptible to yeah. the other side. Children always hear the sounds and their parents hear nothing. The veil. They're closer to the veil than we might be. It is, like it says, it is common knowledge that children are much more attuned to the spirit world, perhaps because their minds are more open. However, all this changed when an immigrant dock worker came home late one evening and found his way upstairs, blocked by a large black man bound in chains. He screamed at the man in his native tongue to move, and when the apparition did not budge, he used his hands to push the figure out of his way. His hands passed right through the spirit dissolved into a cold mist. By sunrise, the mansion was empty once more as all of its residents fled into the night. I don't even want to imagine what that... How terrifying. What that even seemed like. How scary that must have been for him. Because that would make me leave, too. Yeah, I'd tell my neighbors, you know, get out. Yeah. There's something here. GTFO, man. 
Um, it appears on postcards of the city as early as the 1880s, labeled as the Haunted House of New Orleans. People spending the night in the home reported waking in the middle of the night to find a woman with long red hair glaring down at them as they slept. The same figure is reported by passers-by on the streets below, seeming to stare right through them as they walk by. Many believe this was the spirit of Delphine LaLaurie, who returned to New Orleans when her children had disinterred her remains in Paris, returning her bones to her native soil once more. The turn of the century saw a dozen saw dozens of horrific tales become associated with the mansion. One such story states that in the moments before the Lalories fled the city, they pulled up the floorboards and in one of the upstairs bedrooms, there they shackled a dozen or more of their servants, still alive, with their mouths sewn shut. When their muffled moans and the clanking of their chains were heard, the noise was assumed to be ghosts. Their remains were discovered decades later during a renovation of the home. It would become the repository of all the worst that humans could imagine other humans capable of. That is so crazy to me because that they found their bodies decades later. Like people were living with bodies in the floorboards and they had no idea. That's insane. And I did a quick math. That was about a dozen under the floors. There was about a dozen slaves that left the night of the fire that ran outside and about a dozen more that they found chained. So around 36, as a low estimate, how many slaves she had. Wow. And was torturing. That's insane. This notoriety makes the building something of a prized possession, but like the Hope Diamond, its beauty and majesty seem to exact a painful price. One owner after another comes to a bad end. One opened a haunted pub, which he was forced to close after a few short years. Shortly before this, he bequeathed a house to its last documented spirit. A suite upstairs was rented to a curious old man who died just days after moving in, and among his belongings was $10,000 in gold. His spirit still haunts the hallways of his mansion, seeking his misplaced fortune. Now, I would be doing that too. Don't take my money. And yeah. then... <laughs> I'm taking my money with me when I die, because yes. it can't go nowhere else, so. <laughs> Owners through the decades found their health, sanity, and wealth ruined by the touch of this accursed building. One owner ends his days in an asylum. Another slips into a coma after a bar fight. The most famous owner of all was Nicholas Cage. He purchased a home just after Hurricane Katrina. So what was that? 2005? Yeah, early 2000s. So. Yeah. A few years later, he lost a home in a bankruptcy that would strip him of all of his possessions in New Orleans, and its current owner is a Texas energy trader, and he is using the mansion as, the mansion as a weekend home to entertain clients and friends. So that's, that is the story of the LaLaurie Mansion. I, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. I mean, the way that we planned on doing this podcast is you know we, we read the stories separately so that we have our own ideas of what we think and what we want to say about the stories as I go through and read them bit by bit so I hope yeah. you enjoyed our take on it is there anything else do you have any other it's I mean I can't it's a believe showstopper for a first episode yeah I would it say. is <laughs> it is I can't believe Nicolas Cage bought it I, I was really shocked to read that yeah so and to note that he's doing, you know, he's doing so well now. It's like, oh, wow. Can't imagine having, have bought that back then and had to have lost it like that. I must have been, I must have sucked so bad. Yeah. 
all the films we wouldn't have if he stayed. I know. So, I hope you guys enjoyed that story. I mean, I know it was rough to listen to, so... It's our first episode. We're going to keep working, making little tweaks. Yes, we are. And um, we're going to... We have a few more stories that we're going to go out and we're going to talk about, but they're not going to be as bad as this. The information... I know the information in this was a lot to handle, but if I come across stories like this... I will, you know, I'll let you know. We'll always put a trigger warning on. Yeah, in case you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. But other than that, most of the stories that we listen, that we're going to talk about are just paranormal experiences or legends, stuff like that. So my resources for this story was nolaghost.com, frenchquarterphantoms.com, nightlyspirits.com, and legendsofamerica.com. So... If you want to read more, see if we get all the extra details, Yeah, feel free to look it up. Yep, and if you want to see pictures, we will be posting them on our website at 3amtalesofterror.com. So please go there and check it out. You can actually also go there and scroll down to the bottom where it says contact us. You can find our Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. All of the links will be found on the website. It's 3 the number three, not the word, 3amtalesofterror.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at 3amtalesofterror.com. We want to thank Will Meadows for making our intro music and helping us produce the show. That's the end of our podcast for today. We'll hope you'll join us next week. Yes. And we, we hope, hope you were terrified. terrified.